astrology friends. I'm Kate. And I'm the other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the Drunk Dracula Drunk Dracula, Dracula gals. Woohoo! We're back, baby. That's yeah. right. And I'm on my second cup of coffee, so you have been warned. Right. Oh, I got you there. I've had four. <laughs> I had my triple espresso with uh, sweetened condensed milk this morning. So <gasps> wow. that was a long time ago, though. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> y'all know what you're getting. And uh, yeah, it's been a hot minute, but we've been lifing and we're almost ready to come back and mm-hmm. make some big news yep. coming soon. But a yeah. year ago, we brought you all of Dracula. Did we? The scars are still fresh. <laughs> we brought it chapter by painful, petty chapter. Yes. <laughs> and this year, we want to continue tormenting you, our dear listeners, with both Dracula's guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually yeah, written by Bram Stoker. Right. Yeah, as you will have no doubt when you start to hear this thing. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, yeah, that's Bram. That's our boy. <laughs> just missing Mr. Swales. That's all it is, I swear. Yablins. Yablins. And, uh, yeah, so as with Dracula, I took the text for Dracula's guest from Project Gutenberg. So, fair use. Nice. Yeah. Um, and just a couple quick facts. Because I really honestly couldn't bring myself to do a full cha- full episode on the background of this because I can't. Um, yeah. But this was actually supposed to be the first chapter of Dracula. But the publishers, bless them, thought it was superfluous. The publishers were 100% correct. <laughs> <laughs> but his wife published it posthumously in a collection of short stories in 1914 because girls got to keep the money rolling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. this story this is like take- Dracula Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> part 18. <laughs> or Final Fantasy Part 26. Right. Yeah. <gasps> so this story takes place on Walpurgis Night, which is actually the 1st of May, not Halloween, as many people think. Did not know that. Yep. And we actually did an episode on this, episode 66, The Spooky Saint. So, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was about St. Walburga. Oh. Yeah. It was Walburgus Night. Walpurgis Night is actually okay. uh, named after a badass middle-aged woman in medieval times. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Who's so, actually probably kind of a bitch, but I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. So intended to be the first chapter of Dracula. Yes. It hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah. This is coming from Bram. And considering what made yeah. it into Dracula, the fact that this hit the floor, cutting room floor, <laughs> just saying. So we we know this is not going to be a, a magical Christmas happy ending kind of story. This is that's depends not, on who you're rooting for, right? Well, okay, her <laughs> point. Um, full disclosure: you when we did Dracula last year, we read ahead so that it was not rough when we recorded it was it was a little Says rough. you <laughs> okay. this it sounds like you and kim have read it i have not uh okay i it's pretty much what you expect yeah to, so if i get stumbled up on unexpected words and such that's i'll own it that's my you know that's all on me there's just been too much life <laughs> life gotcha. life has been very lifey but 
we're, you're, you're going to do fine. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to come out of it fine because (laughs) this is what it is, but you're going to, you're going to be okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So take us back to Transylvania or Germany. (laughs) So you know what time it is? Mm, It's time uh, for a... Oh, oh, it's time for a recap. Recap. That's right. You didn't think I could pull it up, but I found a way to do one. How do you it's do a recap, recap when this is more like a prequel? Right. I, just How, wait. <laughs> so a year ago, we got the bright idea of reading a chapter a day of Dracula and we did it. It sucked out our souls out, but we did it. And between then and now, Kim published a book, Poison Garden. Check it out. Link in the show notes. Jen and I went to Disney. Jen and I got COVID. Frida the podcat occasionally puked on things. <laughs> Onion ate a mouse. Horseradish, the pod dog, got a year older, and we lost OG and Bistritz. But even now, the rage is still fresh when I think about Jonathan Harker and his 13-year-old girl self-writing in his diary. Jonathan Harker going to Dracula's room twice and changing his mind at the last minute. Dracula crawling down the wall. Down into, down into the, the left. <laughs> the realization that Lucy Westernra is really a Southern Baptist mean girl who doesn't want other girls getting jealous of the fact that she gets so many marriage proposals. The salting cracker that is Lord What's His Nuts, her fiance. <laughs> the fact that no one would miss someone driving a fucking safety pin through their neck. The world's worst reporter, Mr. Gablin Swales. The melodramatic flouncing grifter that is Dr. Van Helsing, a whole chapter about telegrams and letters about expense receipts, the casual racism about the Romany, the four chapters of let's not tell Madame Mina dion pas de Mina, except we end up telling her anyway because she knows shorthand and shorthand is really her code for sexy time with her hubby, but she also is the only one with two brain cells to rub together to come up with an idea and the gratuitous use of the word stertorus. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) Are we ready? Okay, let's do now, this. Now, this is, to be clear, this is Jonathan Harker speaking, correct? Yes, we're all going to sort of trade off the narration. Okay. All right. All right. So, Jonathan Harker speaks. When we started for our drive, the sun was shining brightly on Munich. The air was full of the joyousness of early summer. Just as we were about to depart, Herr Delbruck, the maitre d' of the Quatre Saisons, where I was staying, the Four Seasons, where I was staying, came down bareheaded to the carriage and after wishing me a pleasant drive, said to the coachman, still holding his hand on the carriage, the handle of the carriage door, Remember, you are back by nightfall. The sky looks bright, but there's a shiver in the north wind that says there may be a sudden storm. But I'm sure you will not be late. Here he smiled and added, Well, you know what night it is. Johann answered with an emphatic, Ja, mein Herr. Touching his hat, drove off quickly. When we had cleared the town, I said, after signaling to him to stop, Tell me, Johann, what is tonight? He crossed himself as he answered laconically. Walpurgisnacht. Then he took out his watch, a great old-fashioned German silver thing as big as a turnip, and looked at it with his eyebrows gathered together and a little impatient shrug of his shoulders. I realized that this was his way of respectfully protesting against the unnecessary delay and sank back in the carriage merely motioning him to proceed. He started off rapidly, as if to make up for lost time. Every now and then, the horses seemed to throw up their heads and sniffed the air suspiciously. On such occasions, I often looked around in alarm. 
The road was pretty bleak, for we were traversing a sort of high, windswept plateau. As we drove, I saw a road that looked but little used, and which seemed to dip through a little winding valley. It looked so inviting that, even at the risk of offending him, I called Johan to stop. And when he, thank you. And when he had pulled up, I told him I would like to drive down that road. He made all sorts of excuses and frequently crossed himself as he spoke. This somewhat piqued my curiosity, so I asked him various questions. He answered fencingly and repeatedly looked at his watch in protest. Finally, I said, Well, Johan, I want to go down this road. I shall not ask you to come unless you like, but tell me why you do not like to go. That is all I ask. For answer, he seemed to throw himself off the box. Ah! So quickly did he reach the ground. (laughs) Then he stretched out his hands appealingly to me and implored me not to go. There was just enough of English mixed with German for me to understand the drift of his talk. He seemed always just about to tell me something, the very idea of which evidently frightened him. But each time he pulled himself up, saying, as he crossed himself, Walburg is knocked! I tried to argue with him, but it was difficult to argue with a man when I did not know his language. The advantage certainly rested with him, for although he began to speak in English of a very crude and broken kind, he always got excited and broke into his native tongue, and every time he did so, he looked at his watch. Tick-tock, beach! Then the horses became restless and sniffed the air again. <laughs> At this, he grew very pale, and looking around in a frightened way, he suddenly jumped forward, took them by the bridles, and led them on some twenty feet. I followed and asked why he had done this. For answer, he crossed himself, pointed to the spot we had left, drew his carriage in the direction of the other road, indicating a cross, and said first in German, then in English, Buried him, him what killed themselves. I remembered the old custom of burying suicides at crossroads. Ah, I see, a suicide. How interesting. But for the life of me, I could not make out why the horses were frightened. The horses are very superstitious. (laughs) Whilst we were talking, we heard a sort of a sound between a yelp and a bark. It was far away, but the horses got very restless, and it took Johan all his time to quiet them. He was pale and said, It sounds like a wolf, but yet there are no wolves here now. No? Isn't it long since the wolves were so near the city? Long, long in the spring and summer, but with the snow. The wolves have been here not so long. While he was petting the horses and trying to quiet them, dark clouds drifted rapidly across the sky. The sunshine the sunshine passed away and a breath of cold wind seemed to drift past us. It was only a breath, however, and more in the nature of a warning than a fact, for the sun came out brightly again. Johann looked under his lifted hand at the horizon and said, The storm of snow, he come before long time. He love us long time. <laughs> nice. Then he looked at his watch again and straight away holding his reins firmly, for the horses were still pawing the ground restlessly and shaking their heads, he climbed to his box as though the time had come for proceeding on our journey. I felt a little obstinate and did not at once get into the carriage. Tell me about this place where the road leads. And I pointed down. Again, he crossed himself, I'm getting a hint of what our drinking phrase needs to be, (laughs) and mumbled a prayer before he answered. It is unholy. 
What is unholy? The village. Then there's a village? No, no, no one lived there hundreds of years. My curiosity was piqued. But you said there was a village. There was. Where is it now? Ay, ay, ay. Who's on first? <laughs> Whereupon he burst out into a long story in oh, my, German my and book. English, so mixed up that I could not quite understand exactly what he said. But roughly I gathered that long ago, hundreds of years, men had died there and been buried in their graves, and sounds were heard under the clay. And when the graves were opened, men and women were found rosy with life and their mouths red with blood. And so, in haste to save their lives, I, and their souls, and here he crossed himself, drink, drink. <laughs> Those who were left fled away to other places where the living lived and the dead were dead and not, not something. <laughs> who the fuck knows what these peasants with their superstitions could possibly be talking about? <laughs> he was evidently afraid to speak the last words. As he proceeded with his narration, he grew more and more excited. It seemed as if his imagination had got a hold of him, and he ended in a perfect paroxysm. Did I get that one right? Nope. I usually get it wrong. No, nope, Paroxysm right. of fear, white-faced, perspiring, trembling, and looking around him, as it, like with me when we're out of bourbon, as if he were <laughs> expecting that some dreadful presence would manifest itself there in the bright sunshine on the open plain. Finally, in an agony of desperation, he cried, Walburg is knocked! And pointed to the carriage for me to get in. All my English blood rose at this, oh, this dumb motherfucker. And standing <laughs> back, I said, You are afraid, Johan. You are afraid. Go home. I shall return alone. The walk will do me good. See ya! The carriage door was open. I took from the seat my oak walking stick, which I always carry on my holiday excursions, and closed the door, pointing back to Munich, and said, Go home, your pawn. Walpurgis Nacht doesn't concern Englishmen. Bye. <sighs> Jesus. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> the horses were now more restive than ever, and Johann was trying to hold them in, while excitedly imploring me not to do anything so foolish. I pitied the poor fellow. Oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. He was deeply in earnest. But all the same, I could not help laughing. Oh, my God, I want to slap him in the face so bad. <laughs> his English was quite gone now. In his anxiety, he'd forgotten that his only means of making me understand was to talk my language. So he jabbered away in his native German. Felicia! It began to be a little tedious. <laughs> After giving the direction home, I turned to go down the crossroad into the valley. With a despairing gesture, Johann turned his horses towards Munich. I leaned on my stick and looked after him. He went slowly along the road for a while. Then there came over the crest of the hill a man, tall and thin. I could see so much in the distance. When he drew near the horses, they began to jump and kick about, then to scream with terror. Johann could not hold them in. They bolted down the road, running away madly. I watched them out of sight, then looked for the stranger, but I found that he too was gone. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. So this is the horrible scene he has just witnessed. What is the next phrase out of his mouth? <laughs> With a light heart, I turned down the side road through the deepening valley to which Johan had objected. There was not the slightest reason that I could see for his objection. 
He only lives there. And I dare say I trapped for a couple of hours without thinking of time or distance, and certainly without seeing a person or a house. So far as the place was concerned, it was desolation itself. But I did not notice this particularly till, on turning a bend in the road, I came upon a scattered fringe of wood. Then I recognized that I had been impressed unconsciously by the desolation of the region through which I'd passed. I sat down to rest myself and began to look around. It struck me that it was considerably colder than it had been at the commencement of my walk, several hours ago, apparently. (laughs) A sort of sighing sound seemed to be around me now, now and then, high overhead, a sort of muffled roar. Looking upward, I noticed that great thick clouds were drifting rapidly across the sky from north to south at a great height. There were signs of a coming storm in some lofty stratum of the air. I was a little chilly, and thinking it was the sitting still after the exercise of walking, I resumed my journey. The ground I passed over was now much more picturesque. There were no striking objects that the eye might single out, but in all there was a charm of beauty. I took little head of time, and it was only when the deepening twilight forced itself upon me that I began to think of how I should find my way home. Oh, just call an Uber, you dumb bastard. (laughs) Leave a trail of breadcrumbs. Right. The brightness of the day had gone. The air was cold, and the drifting of clouds high overhead was more marked. They were accompanied by a sort of faraway rushing sound, through which seemed to come at intervals that mysterious cry which the driver had said came from a wolf. Then rear... For a while, I hesitated. Very organic. (laughs) I had said I would see the deserted village, so on I went, and presently came on a wide stretch of open country shut in by hills all around. Their sides were covered with trees, which spread down to the plain, dotting in clumps the gentler slopes and hollows, which showed here and there. I followed with my eye the winding of the road and saw that it curved close to one of the densest of these clumps and was lost behind it. And I I just want to see if you guys caught something that I think I caught. What? He directed the driver to go all the way back to Munich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is already some distance. Yes. And then he's been walking a few hours. A few hours. So, so literally, he would have to walk all the way back up and then, and then back all to the way back to Munich and then cross Munich to get to his hotel. Yeah. He's not a brain trust, I'm gathering. <laughs> we Does already have know his diary with him? Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't yeah. the only one being like, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank He's you. writing while he walks. <laughs> That's it. As I looked, there came a cold shivery in the air and the snow began to fall. I thought of the miles and miles of bleak country I had passed and then I hurried on to seek the shelter of the wood in front. Darker and darker grew the sky and faster and heavier fell the snow till the earth before and around me was a glistening white carpet, the further edge of which was lost in misty vagueness. The road here was but crude, and when on the level its boundaries were not so marked as when it passed through the cuttings, and in a little while I found that I must have strayed from it, for I had missed underfoot the hard surface, and my feet sank into the grass and moss. Then the wind grew stronger and blew with ever-increasing force, till I was fain to run before it. The air became icy cold, and in spite of my exercise I began to suffer. The snow was now falling so thickly and whirling around me in such rapid eddies that I could hardly keep my eyes open. 
Every now and then, the heavens were torn asunder by vivid lightning, and in the flashes I could see ahead of me a great mass of trees, chiefly you and cypress, all heavily coated with snow. How's how light is your heart now, dummy? (laughs) (laughs) I was soon amongst the shelter of the trees, and there, in comparative silence, I could hear the rush of wind high overhead. Presently, the blackness of the storm had become merged in the darkness of the night. By and by, the storm seemed to be passing away. It now only came in fierce puffs or blasts. God, so much weather. At such (laughs) moments, the weird sound of the wolf appeared to be echoed by many similar sounds around me. And I'm like, Bandit, is that you? (laughs) (laughs) Now and again, through the black mass of drifting cloud came a straggling ray of moonlight, which lit up the expanse and showed me that I was at the edge of a dense mass of cypress and yew trees. As the snow has had ceased to fall, I walked out from the shelter and began to investigate more closely. It appeared to me that amongst so many old foundations as I had passed, there might still standing might be still standing a house, though in ruins, I could find some sort of shelter for a while. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Raining is fundamental. This is why the publishers cut this chapter. Yeah. As I skirted the edge of the copse, cops, copse, copse, Mm -hmm. I found that a low wall encircled it, and following this, I presently found an opening. Here, the cypresses formed an alley leading up to a square mass of some kind of building. Just as I caught sight of this, however, the drifting clouds obscured the moon and I passed up the path in darkness. The wind must have grown colder for I felt myself shiver as I walked, but there was hope of shelter and I groped my way blindly on. Really? It's that dark? (laughs) (laughs) I stopped for there was a sudden stillness. The storm had passed and perhaps in sympathy with nature's silence, my heart seemed to cease to beat. But this was only momentarily, for suddenly the moonlight broke through the clouds. Wait, it was just late afternoon a second ago, (laughs) showing me that I was in a graveyard and that the square object before me was a great, massive tomb of marble, as Mm. white as the snow that lay on and all around it. When the moon with the moonlight, there came a fierce sigh of the storm, which appeared to resume its course with a long, low howl, as of many dogs or wolves. I was awed and shocked and felt the cold perceptibly grow upon me till it seemed to grip me by the heart. Then, while the flood of moonlight fell, still fell on the marble tomb, the storm gave further evidence of renewing, as though it was returning on its track. Impelled by some sort of fascination, I approached the sepulchre to see what what it was, and why such a thing stood alone in such a place. I walked around it and read over the Doric door in German. Countess Dollingen of Graz in Steria sought and found death, 1801. That was in German? Yeah, that was what I was wondering. You know, look, I just... (laughs) What? Sought and found death? That's... (laughs) Bram, that's English. (laughs) I think he's trying to... Okay. He's telling us it was in German, but he's translating it for us. And I, I'm, I can't do a German accent. I'm trying, but whatever. Oh, it's perfect. All right. (laughs) (laughs) On the top of the tomb, seemingly driven through the solid marble, for the structure was composed of a few vast blocks of stone, was a great iron spike. 
spike or stake on going to the back, I saw graven in great Russian letters. The did travel fast. There was something so weird and uncanny about the whole thing, <laughs> you, you think? Really? <laughs> that it gave me a turn and made me feel quite faint. I began to wish for the first time that I had taken Johan's advice. Oh, <laughs> so awesome. Are you ready? Here, a thought struck me, which came under almost mysterious circumstances and with a terrible shock. This was Walpurgis Night! Walpurgis Night! Like that just freaking occurred to him? Walpurgis Night! Oh my god. <laughs> that he lives as long as he does is kind of amazing. Yeah. It's <laughs> only <laughs> because Mina knows shorthand. <laughs> okay. Walpurgis Night, when, according to the belief of millions of people, the devil was abroad, when the graves were opened and the dead came forth and walked, when all evil things of earth and air and water held revel, this very place the driver had specially shunned. This was the depopulated village of centuries ago. This was where the suicide lay. And this was the place where I was alone, unmanned, shivering with cold in a shroud of snow with a wild storm gathering again upon me. It took all my philosophy, all the religion I had been taught, all my courage not to collapse in a paroxysm of fright. Johan's back at the hotel going, I tried to fucking tell him. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to tell him it was Valpurg, it's not. I said it at least eight times. I crossed myself a dozen. Drink. <laughs> And now a perfect tornado burst upon me. The ground shook as though thousands of horses thundered across it. And this time the storm bore on its icy wings, not snow, but great hailstones, which drove with such violence that they might have come from the thongs of Balearic slingers. Oh, those are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> those are actually ancient sharpshooters with uh, slings. Yeah. Uh, hailstones that beat down leaf and branch and made the shelter of cypresses of no more avail than th though their stems were standing corn. Weird simile, but yeah. Okay. At the first, I had rushed to the nearest tree, but I was soon fain to leave it and had to seek the only spot that seemed to afford refu refuge, the deep Doric doorway of the marble tomb. There, crouching against the massive bronze door, I gained a certain amount of protection from the beating of the hailstones, for now they only drove against me as they ricocheted from the ground and the sides of the marble. As I I'm leaned against the, what, yeah, right. As I leaned against the door, it moved slightly and opened inwards. The shelter of even a tomb was welcome in that pitiless tempest, and I was about to enter it when there came a flash of forked lightning that lit up the whole expanse of the heavens. In the instant, as I am a living man, I saw, as my eyes were turned into the darkness of the tomb, a beautiful woman with rounded cheeks and red lips, seemingly sleeping on a bier. As the thunder broke overhead, I was grasped as by the hand of a giant and hurled out into the storm. The whole thing was so sudden that before I could realize the shock, moral as well as physical, 
Okay, sure. I found the hell sleeping woman. Yeah, okay, Mike Pence. I found the hailstones <laughs> beating me down. At the same time, I had a strange, dominating feeling that I was not alone. I looked towards the tomb. Just then, there came another blinding flash, which seemed to strike the iron stake that surmounted the tomb and to pour through the earth, lasting and crumbling the marble as in a burst of flame. The dead woman rose for a moment of agony while she was lapped in the flame, and her bitter scream of pain was drowned in the thunder crash. The last thing I heard was this mingling of dreadful sounds, as again I was seized in the giant grasp and dragged away, while the hailstones beat on me, as the air around me seemed reverberant with the howling of wolves. The last sight that I remember was a vague, white, moving mass, as if all the graves around me had sent out the phantom of the cheated dead, and that they were closing in on me through the white cloudiness of the driving hail. Wow. Atmospheric, man. <laughs> okay. A lot of atmosphere. Literally, just so yeah. much atmosphere. So much yeah. atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gradually, there came a sort of vague beginning of consciousness, then a sense of weariness that was dreadful. For a time, I remembered nothing, but slowly my senses returned. My feet seemed positively racked with pain, yet I could not move them. They seemed to be numbed. There was an icy feeling at the back of my neck and all down my spine and my ears like my feet were dead, yet in torment. But there was in my breast a sense of warmth, which was, by comparison, delicious. It was as a nightmare, a physical nightmare, if one may use such an expression, for some heavy weight on my chest made it difficult for me to breathe. Yeah, sleep paralysis is no joke, okay? Onion? <laughs> Are you sitting <laughs> on his chest? That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> Bandit? <laughs> This period of semi-lethargy seemed to remain a long time, and as it faded away, I must have slept or swooned. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, he's such a... Anyway. Yeah. Then came a sort of loathing, like the first stage of seasickness, and a wild desire to be free from something I knew not what. A vast stillness enveloped me, as though all the world were asleep or dead dead, only broken by the low panting of some animal close to me. Oh, it's onion. Clearly it's onion. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wake up and I bandit is like breathing down the back of my neck because that's how he's like fallen asleep. And I'm like, oh, God, what the hell is that? I felt a warm rasping at my throat. Then came a consciousness of the awful truth, which chilled me to the heart and sent the blood surging up through my brain. Blood from where? Some great animal was lying on me and now licking my throat. Oh, my God. I feared to stir, for some instinct of prudence bade me lie still. The first sensible thought I've had this whole story. Right. But the brute seemed to realize that there was now some change in me, for it raised its head. Through my eyelashes, I saw above me two great flaming eyes of a gigantic wolf. Its sharp white teeth gleamed in the gaping red mouth, and I could feel its hot, stinky doggy breath fierce <laughs> and acrid upon me. Bandit? <laughs> yeah, this is not Fenrir. <laughs> Fenrir For flosses. That's right. For another spell of time, I remembered no more. 
Then I became conscious of a low growl, followed by a yelp renewed again and again. Then, seemingly very far away, I heard a, Hello, hello! (laughs) Cautiously, I raised my head and looked in the direction whence the sound came, but the cemetery blocked my view. The wolf still continued to yelp in a strange way, and a red glare began to move around the grove of cypresses, as though following the sound. As the voices drew closer, the wolf yelped faster and louder. I feared to make either sound or motion. Nearer came the red glow over the white pall which stretched into the darkness around me. Then, all at once, from beyond the trees, there came a trot, a troop of horsemen bearing torches. The wolf rose from my breast and made for the cemetery. I saw one of the horsemen, soldiers by their caps and long military cloaks, raise his carbine and take aim. A companion knocked up his arm, and I heard the ball whiz over my head. He had evidently taken my body for that of a wolf. What? You tell, you tell yourself that, pal. <laughs> oh, my word. Put him out of his misery, seriously. Right. He's the one that made us come out here. <laughs> Another sighted the animal as it slunk away and a shot followed. Then, at a gallop, the troop rode forward, some towards me, others following the wolf as it disappeared amongst the snow-clad cypresses. As they drew nearer, I tried to move, but was powerless, although I could see and hear all that went on around me. Two or three of the soldiers jumped from their horses and knelt beside me. One of them raised my head and placed his hand over my heart. Good news, comrades, he cried. His heart still beats. Then some brandy was poured down my throat. It put vigor into me, and I was able to open my eyes fully and look around. Light and shadows were moving among the trees, and I heard men call to one another. They drew together, uttering frightened exclamations, and the lights flashed as those others came pouring out of the cemetery pell-mell, like men possessed. When the further ones came close to us, those who were already around me asked them eagerly, Well, have you found him? The reply rang out hurriedly, No, no, come away, quick, quick, this is no place to stay, and on this of all nights. (laughs) I wonder what what night could it possibly be? (laughs) What was it? Was the question asked in all manner of keys. What was it? What was it? What was it? it? What was it? The answer came variously and all indefinitely as though the men were moved by some common impulse to speak, yet were restrained by some common fear from giving their thoughts. It, it indeed, gibbered one, whose wits had plainly given out for the moment. A uh, pot kettle, <laughs> dude. <laughs> this is so like Madame Mina. Don't tell Madame Mina. Dear right. Madame Mina. A wolf, and yet not a wolf, another put in shudderingly. No use trying for him without the sacred bullet, a third remarked in a more ordinary manner. <laughs> Serve us right for coming out on this night. Truly, we have earned a thousand marks. Well, at least they got paid. Right? Bonus. Bonus Bonus. day. We're the ejaculations of a fourth. There was blood on the broken marble, another said after a pause. The lightning never brought that there. And for him, is he safe? Look at his throat. See, comrades, the wolf has been lying on him and keeping his blood warm. Yes, I'm sure that's exactly what happened. (laughs) I have no comment. (laughs) The officer looked at my throat and replied, He is all right. The skin is not pierced. What does it all mean? We should never have found him but for the yelping of the wolf. What became of it? Asked the man who was holding up my head and seemed the least panic-stricken of the party, for his hands were steady and without tremor. On his sleeve was the chevron of a petty officer. 
It went to its home, answered the man whose long face was pallid and who actually shook with terror as he glanced around him fearfully. There are graves enough there in which it may lie. Come, comrades, come quickly. Let us leave this cursed spot. (laughs) The officer raised me to a sitting posture as he uttered a word of command. Then several men placed me upon a horse. He sprang to the saddle behind me, took me in his arms. (laughs) So romantic. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just like when Dracula... Princess carried him, right? right? Gave the word to advance, and turning our faces away from the cypresses, we rode away in a swift military order. As yet, my tongue refused its office, and I was perforce silent. I must have fallen asleep, for the next thing I remembered was finding myself standing up, supported by a soldier on each side of me. It was almost broad daylight, and to the north, a red streak of sunlight was reflected, like a path of blood over the waste of snow. The officer was telling the men to say nothing of what they had seen, except that they found an English stranger guarded by a large dog. Dog? That was no dog, cut in the man who had exhibited such fear. I think I know a wolf when I see one. The young officer answered calmly, I said, a dog. Dog, reiterated the other ironically. It was evident that his courage was rising with the sun. Kind of like Mm -hmm. your intelligence, I don't know. And pointing to me, he said, look at his throat. Is that the work of a dog master? Instinctively, I raised my hand to my throat, and as I touched it, I cried out in pain. The men crowded round to look, some stooping down from their saddles, and again there came the calm voice of the young officer. A dog, as I said. If aught else were said, we should only be laughed at. Like a safety pin or something. (laughs) (laughs) Now, wait a second. I thought five minutes ago nothing was happened to his throat. Right. Right. That's what I just realized. Or at least the skin was not punctured. So... But but then what are they looking at? Yeah. Yeah. I was then mounted behind a trooper and we oh, rode. Oh, usually you got to pay extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> we rode on into the suburbs of Munich. Here we came across a stray carriage into which I was lifted and it was driven off to the Quatre Saisons. It's the one French word I struck out. Quatre Saisons. Just say Four Seasons. The Four Seasons. seasons. The young officer accompanying me, whilst a trooper followed with his horse and the others rode off to their barracks. When we arrived, Herr Delbruck rushed so quickly down the steps to meet me that it was apparent he'd been watching within. Taking me by both hands, he solicitously led me in. The officer saluted me and was turning to withdraw when I recognized his purpose and insisted that he should come to my rooms. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Over a glass of wine, I warmly thanked him and his brave comrades for saving me. He replied simply that he was more than glad and that Herr Delbruck had at first taken steps to make sure all the searching party pleased. At which ambiguous utterance, the maitre d'hotel smiled. Well, the officers pleaded duty and withdrew. What does that mean? He was more than glad. Held to have taken steps to make all the searching party pleased. I guess, yeah. does that does he mean he paid them? Yeah, oh. I think so. That's the thousand marks. I guess so. All right. That makes okay. a little more sense. Go on. Yeah. But Herr Del- Delbruck, I inquired, how and why was it that the soldiers searched for me? 
He shrugged his shoulders, as if in deprecation of his own deed, as he replied, I was so fortunate as to obtain leave from the commander of the regiment in which I've served to ask for volunteers. But how did you know I was lost? I asked. The driver came hither with the remains of his carriage, which had been upset when the horses ran away. Valpuk is knocked! <laughs> but surely you would not send a search party of soldiers merely on this account? Oh, no, he answered. But even before the coachman arrived, I had this telegram from the boyar whose guest you are. And he took from his pocket a telegram, which he handed me, and I read... Bistritz. Be careful of my guest. His safety is most precious to me. Should aught happen to him, or if he be missed, spare nothing to find him and ensure his safety. He is English, and therefore adventurous, and perhaps dumb. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> there are often dangers from snow and wolves and night. Lose not a moment if you suspect harm to him. I enter your zeal with my fortune. Dracula. Dun, 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 dun. As I held the telegram in my hand, the room seemed to whirl around me. And if the attentive maitre d'hôtel had not caught me, I think I should have fallen. Fainting yeah. again? <laughs> there was he something. Is a little hothouse flower. <laughs> There was something so strange in all this, something so weird and impossible to imagine that there grew on me a sense of my being in some way the sport of opposite forces, the mere vague idea of which seemed in a way to paralyze me. I was certainly under some form of mysterious protection. From a distant country had come, in the very nick of time, a message that took me out of the danger of the snow sleep and the Jaws of the Wolf. Wow. Yeah. Okay, who's drunk? Uh, no. I wish no. I was. Yeah. Yeah. No. This, okay, this... I understand now why the editors cut this, because after experiencing yeah. this, yeah. the whole rest of the book is like, you fucking moron. I mean, he, he seemed dumb enough without having yeah, personally he's like, experienced all this. Yeah, right. like, you fucking moron by, like, the paragraph three, but... Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got one for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I When we were when I was reading this, I was like, Delbrook, Hans Delbrook, that name sounds so familiar, and then I remembered where I'd heard that name. It's from Young Frankenstein. <gasps> Are you kidding? That's an I'm going to read you what, what a little paragraph. As... Froderick readies his monster, he sends Igor to fetch a very special brain, which rests in a jar labeled Hans Delbruck, Scientist and Saint. <gasps> the actual Hans Delbruck was an accomplished military historian whose son Max won a Nobel Prize for his work with viruses. So we know at least one person read this short story, and it was probably Mel Brooks. I, I'm pretty sure he would have. Yeah, this sounds... Yeah. That's awesome. That's wow. my contribution today. Well, yeah. and I also looked up um, to see if there was anything about the Countess Dolingen. Yeah. And there's no such historical figure. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, although they, in the early 70s, there was a sort of cult movie that was made uh, about this character, the Countess of Dolingen. And there was also a film from the 30s. And both of them are sort of like underground lesbian cult hits. 
Ah. Yeah. Mm. But Interesting. that's about yeah. it. <laughs> that's all I got. Well, this was, first of all, this was not very good. No. no. Second of all, Jonathan gets dumber with each passing word. It, yes. And third of all, I'd like to offer a round of applause to his publisher for for editing it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to hold my my applause because he did allow the rest of it. To That's true. <laughs> rest of it in. But, you know, I did find a breadcrumb for the next episode I want to research, which is the Balearic Slingers, the sharpshooters oh. of the ancient world. Tell oh. me that's not a cocktail. I like like a Balearic slinger with like a Myers float on top of it. <laughs> you know, I think it should be. It should be with maybe some sort of Spanish liquor. Yeah. Something oh. like a little All right. drop of It's up to you guys to come up All with right. it. I'm, gonna, I'm yeah. on it. Yes. All right, Kim, what's a book? You're going to have to give us the Balearic Slinger. Um, yes. But yeah, and I'll do a little episode on it. And okay. if all of you want to hear us complain and dissect and perform the rest of Dracula, just Oh my scroll- God, it was so fabulous. <laughs> ah, dear Madamina, I have missed you. <laughs> I'm going to take a walk by the harbor. <laughs> I don't want anyone to be jealous of my performance back Oh my then. God, you sound just like Miss Minutes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Which just is all the way back to October of last year. Oh, <laughs> Lucy. Lucy Western. <laughs> oh, <my God>. Yoblins. <laughs> yep. That's all I got. So don't forget to add yourself to our social media scrolls. We're on Instagram at Drunk Mythology Gals. On TikTok at uh, TikTok. Did I TikTok? just say TikTok? TikTok. I just TikTok-y. said TikTok. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Showing our Gen X age. TikTok at Drunk Myth Gals. On YouTube, just look up Drunk Mythology Gals. We're on the web at drunkmythologygals.com. And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash drunkmythologygals, where we have a ton of other episodes you've never heard. That's <laughs> right. Or... You can send us email at gals at drunkmythologygals.com, but we don't check it. <laughs> Ever. 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 So I hope it wasn't important. Yeah. yeah. So thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating, review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, it's Valpurgis Nacht. <laughs> Cross. And finally, always remember, if the gods can behave badly, so can you. Mm-hmm.